So dives don't work. <clears throat> and uh, that's what I've been told. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons they don't work is right in our minds, we just think, oh, this is like a temporary thing. And so once we get off of the diet, then we get back to our regular lifestyle and kind of goes back to and We just gain the weight. Like a lot of friends are like, oh, I'm going to do the whole 30. I'm going to lose 30 pounds. I'm like, great. Enjoy torturing yourself for 30 days to then go back to the same routine. Uh, the, the difference is uh, if what, what does work is lifestyle changes. You got to tell yourself what happened, what changed for me was I had to make a decision. I'm just going to make a lifestyle change. And those, because it changes a different dynamic. Uh, it's not just an out external thing that I'm doing. It's then allowing that to change how we think. Because how you think changes how you behave, right? And so if you want to change the behavior, you got to change how you think, right? Um, I was an artist for many years, and, uh, and so um, in art, when you're wanting to paint something or sculpt something, um, you want to spend time observing your subject. You need to study what you are going to paint or work on. You need to take time to look at it, to understand it, how it moves, how it flows, uh, what are the dynamics, its, its relationship to light, its relationship to uh, darkness, the shadows, the shapes, right? Its basic form. And you spend a lot of time looking at that to learn that so that you can then project that <clears throat> in what you're sculpting, what you're painting, or what you're doing. And so... Today, I want us to spend some time uh, looking at Jesus, looking at his life, looking at what he does. And in looking at him and, and, and observing our uh, subject to then be able to model that. Uh, and not in a form of, of a diet where we're just kind of like, well, this is Jesus and he's doing his thing. But how does that then transform to a lifestyle change in me? How does that then transform how I live. And so my hope today is that we would once again get a chance to see Jesus and look at him uh, and observe uh, his lifestyle and how he lived uh, and then how that can transform us who are following him, right? Because to be a Christian is not about uh, just a, a gathering where we hang out and uh, eat lots of uh, apple cider donuts together. Um, if you didn't get one, I ate the last one and I'm not sorry. I'm not. I am not. Uh, but we're called to follow Christ. That's what we're doing. We want to um, see Christ, follow him, and then allow him to transform how we live and uh, in what that looks like for us, right? And so um, when we look at Jesus, um, man, he does some incredible things. There's no one who ever lived like Jesus. There's no one who's ever experienced life like Jesus. There's no one whose life uh, has transformed uh, a generation and the entire world uh, like the life of Christ. Whatever you believe about Jesus, I mean, we have to admit his life transformed the course of history um, for our world. And uh, I want us to then spend some time looking at that, right? Um, Jesus was always about restructuring order. He was always about reorienting power dynamics. And we'll talk a little bit about that. He was always about reestablishing re the marginalized, drawing in. And so I want us to think about it this way. Um, <clears throat> inhaling and exhaling. Right? Thank you, John. As you inhale, right, you receive oxygen into your lungs. But if you only inhale, 
eventually it's going to get really painful, right? Capacity, you only have enough capacity. You then have to exhale to be able to remove what is inside of you and be able to continue breathing, right? Uh, and so in relationship with Christ, I think that there's a, a, a place where we need to learn the inhale, exhale, where life cannot just be about introspection and and receiving, but then what we've received has to then become part of us. It has to be transformed into our very being, and then it needs to be expelled. And we need to then uh, take what we've learned, and how do we share that with others? How do we then transform that in how we project out to those around us and influence those in us? And it's a metaphor. It breaks down at some point because if we just breathe on people all the time, you know, at some point that doesn't work. And if we're all, you know, we're just like walking around like, hey, <laughs> you know, you know, there was, so, you know, there's limits to the metaphor, right? They all, they always break down, but hopefully, uh, hopefully, Kate, I love your mom. I want her. She can, she can stay. We're going to keep her. All right. <laughs> hey, would you join me? And uh, I want to read John um, chapter 13. I want us to take a picture of Jesus and get to see Jesus. And this is, um, uh, I think this is one of the most important passages, the, one of the most important moments of Jesus' life. I think this is one of the most important pictures of who Jesus is. Um, because here we're going to get a glimpse of Jesus in such an intimate setting. It's such a different space than usual. In this passage, right, we, we up, up until this point in John, uh, one of the major themes of John is, is Jesus' deity, that Jesus is God. He starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Right In the beginning, it establishes that Jesus is God. And so when we look at all the different things that Jesus does, there's moments where he's, he speaks and nature bows to his authority. There's moments where Jesus uh, touches a person and their body is transformed and the healing has happened. There's moments where Jesus breaks bread and it becomes multiplied for thousands. There's moments when Jesus breaks social norms to include someone who is ousted. Like last week we learned of the woman at the well. To break from tradition, to break from customs, to break from what was acceptable and to say, you matter. And to welcome someone in to the kingdom, right? And in this story, we're going to, Jesus is stripped of all these other things, all these things. And it's just him and his closest friends his most intimate circle. There's no miracle. There's no power surge. There's no uh, thousands of people watching. It's Jesus and his 12 closest friends sitting to have a meal together. And we, uh, let's look at what happens. John chapter 13. I'm going to read um, from 1 to 17, and we'll, we'll stop in between there. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to his father. So context, right? We, we, we see this is the end, towards the end of the ministry, it is just about before uh, the crucifixion and, and, and the trauma that Jesus is going to be experiencing. And he knew that his time had come, 
and he was about to go back to the Father. So this is an important moment, right? If you're, uh, if you're about to eat your last meal, right, that becomes your most important meal. Like, that's a significant moment. What, what, what's gonna, Jesus going to do in that moment? What is Jesus going to say in that moment? If he has the last thing he wants to, the last moment of his life, I feel like this is going to be significant. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, right? There were people bringing in the food. And the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. What is he going to do? He knows at this moment everything is com- about to be completed. He has every all power. He has all authority. Everything from this moment on, he is doing of his own volition. Everything from this moment on, he's in control. He has all power. And he knows he's about to leave. And he wants to give last instructions. This weekend, some of our volunteers are uh, on a retreat. And I remember, uh, like, I, I didn't go on the retreat with them. And uh, I had a volunteer leadership team. And, and I, like, this whole week long, I'm like, okay, just make sure you do this. Okay. And then I'd call up my leader and be like, hey, make sure you uh, bring, print out the roster. And then I'd call them up again and like, hey, uh, also just make sure to bring some snacks for the kids to share. And then, you know, I'd call them back and be like, hey, uh, you know, and just like, giving them instructions, instructions, instructions. Uh, up until they're the point where they're like on the bus and they're like, okay, we got it. We're good. We're on the bus. We're okay. I'm like, but, but don't forget to uh, just remember to do, and, okay, all right. Okay, bye. Have fun. Right? There's all these little extra things that you forget that you want to make sure that you put out there and you make, and you make sure they get, right? And this is Jesus' last moment with his friends. And what, this is what he he does. So knowing all these things were in his hands, knowing that this was his, that he was returning to the Father, he gets up from the meal, and he takes off his outer clothing, and he wraps a towel around his waist. And after that, he goes and he pours water into a basin. And one by one, he begins to wash his disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. This is a, this is really, uh, if you've been a Christian for a long time, we, this is a moment we take for granted, I think, often. Um, and I don't know about you, if you've ever been a part of a foot washing ceremony. Uh, Iceland's going to go ahead, she's going to go get a, a, a basin of, uh, she's going to, I told her, I asked her, invited her earlier today if she would wash everybody's feet. Uh, she said yes, so she's going to go ahead and do that while, while I stay away, because I hate feet. This is one of the moments that in the Christian world, Iceland, I pick on you because you were there. Uh, this is one of the world, like the, 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 the spaces in the Christian world where I do not love. Because I don't like feet. I don't think most people like other people's feet. It's like, you know, this is like one of the things, right? As a, uh, when I was growing up, my brother would always torture me. He would like, we'd wrestle and he'd get me in some kind of lock and he'd put his feet in my face. And it, it left a significant level of trauma in my life, right? I don't like that. I don't want to touch feet. I don't want to be around people's feet. And, uh, and this is a moment where Jesus is stopping. And look at what he's doing. He stops. He puts on a ro- He takes his clothes off. He wraps a towel around his waist. And one by one, he starts washing his disciples' feet. 
This was the job that a servant would typically do. This was a job that a, a, a person uh, on the bottom rung would do. This is what you send your intern to do, right? This is the job that nobody wants to do. This is, um, but it's also a sign of honor for the person who's receiving the foot wash. And Jesus stops, and he begins to do this. And one by one, he physically grabs his disciples' feet, pours water over them, rubs them, cleans them, puts them back in the water, dries them with his towel, and moves on to the next person. I can imagine what this must be feeling like, what this must, what must be going into your head when you see this, because this isn't supposed to happen. This isn't the way it's supposed to work. And for a, a Jewish person, you weren't even allowed to call your master by their name. You had to call the master or teacher. Like such was the reverence of, uh, <clears throat> of these men towards their master, towards Jesus, their ma- and for them to stop and see Jesus get down on his knees and do that, it must have been in just kind of a freak-out moment. And we know it was a freak-out moment because then Peter comes up, and Peter is like, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus writes, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later on you will understand. And Peter says, no, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you will have no part of me. And Simon Peter, in, in, his, uh, in his very own way, was like, well, then if not just my feet, then, then my hands and my head and all of me, wash all of me. She's like, slow down, cowboy. Not pa tanto, papi. Right? But here's something of note. Then Jesus says this, a person who has, has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not, that not uh, everyone was clean. We already had a foreshadowing that Judas Iscariot was there, and that he was, had already been prompted by the devil to betray Jesus. And yet Judas was at the table. And Jesus, knowing that Judas was going to betray him that very night, knowing what was going to happen when he had finished washing their feet, Jesus washed Judas' feet. Knowing the betrayal that was going to come, knowing how much pain he was going to endure, he still stopped to do to his enemy what he had done to his own, to those he loved. And that should cause us to pause for a minute. That should cause us to stop and think for a minute. That should cause us to reflect on some level about what that must have cost Jesus, but also of how Jesus must have seen Judas and understood his place. And then he says this to them. Well, he had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his uh, place. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. 
And then he says this, now that I, your teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. Now, this is... a. Um, um, in this moment, like, I don't think that Jesus is, uh, oftentimes Christians have taken this very literal, right? That Jesus is commanding us to then go and wash uh, people's feet, right? And uh, many people have done that. The Pope has done that. And it's become like a tradition in Monday, Thursday uh, to do this, to have like a foot washing ceremony. There's been many times when I've washed feet of, uh, of people that uh, I've been serving or cared for in our church. Or, you know, the pastor said, hey, we're going to wash people's feet on Thursday. Uh, and I'm like, nope. And he's like, yep. And we're like, okay. Right? And so uh, it's not necessarily a, uh, I don't think that Jesus was necessarily commanding us to be about washing each other's literal feet. But I think what Jesus was asking us to do here, and, and Monday, Thursday is actually, mean, Monday means command. And farther on down, the, down in the same chapter, Jesus says something to his disciples. He says this. Uh, and this is uh, John chapter 13, um, verse 34. I think we have a slide for that one. It says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He quantifies this for us. He gives us an example uh, for what that, and, and here's the thing. In Christ's example, it's not a, an ideological, like, uh, call to love. Like this, 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 like, grand thought of, like, well, go out and love. And I'm like, okay, well, I just got to love people. He's asking us to love in action and in truth. He's asking us to have a, a, a visual, tangible demonstration of our love. And he's actually giving us the, the, the pool of resource for where this tangible demonstration of love needs to come from. It needs to be modeled after how he loved us and demonstrated for us. You know, people get really upset uh, uh, often about, um, there's a verse in Ephesians where it says, wives submit to your husbands. And, uh, the verse right after that says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Didi, keep your eyes to yourself. She looked at Gia like, huh? Right? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Focus. This is what happens when Madaga's not around. This is what happens when Madaga's not here. She's in Penn State. I've been a, I've been a single dad this weekend. I've earned my, uh, my uh, Home Depot Father's Day gift card this year. Right? <clears throat> I forgot what I was trying to say. So we're just going to go back to the notes. Um, the source of our, the model for us that we, uh, the, the, the pool to receive the example of how we are called to love in this world is how Christ loved us himself and how demonstrated his love and how service 
oriented that love was and how, how much action was involved in that, how much uh, truth was involved in that. It's a call to love the marginalized. It's a call to, to tangibly give to the needy, to help those around us in our sphere of influence. You know, Matthew 25, Jesus uh, gives an example. He's, he gives these different parables. And one of them, he's, he says, hey, the kingdom of heaven is going to be like this. One day, God is going to call into account everything that's going on and everything that people have done. And he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. He says this. He's going to look at the sheep, and the king is going to say this to them. The king is going to say to those that are right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom that was prepared. For when I was hungry, you gave me food to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I needed clothes, you clothed me. And I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous ones will say, but Lord, when did I do that? When did I see you thirsty or hungry or naked or in prison? I, I don't remember that moment. And, and the king will look at them. The king will look at them and say this. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You know, it's easy for us to think of like how we'll serve the king. It's easy for us to think about like how I'm going to serve Jesus and how I'm going to do the things for Jesus. It's way harder to think about how I am serving and loving and living for the person to my right and to my left. Those my coworkers, those in my home. It's way harder. But Jesus is trying, like, he is changing and elevating these people. He's saying that what you did for the least of these, for the lowest person on the list, for the smallest person, for the marginalized person, for the person on the bottom of the list, what you did for that person, I'm gonna, that's equal to what you've done for me. Because in my eyes, they matter. Their life matters, their voice matters. And he's going to elevate them and bring them to a place of highest honor. To the place of the king and say, what you did for them matters as much as if it, were you, as if it was done for me. And that has to like really challenge us, really like kind of rip open our hearts, really stir into how we interact with one another and how we care for one another. And I do want to say this. As a church, I think we do pretty good job of this. I think we, we serve really well in our community. I think we serve each other really well. I think we care for one another. I mean, I, I just think about like in, in my experience and what I've experienced and how the church has poured out for Marga and I. Like simple things like yesterday, you know, I'm struggling to get things going with Sebastian and Mike is like, hey, and I was trying to like get some money to go buy a bottle of water and Mike's like, I'll just, here, I'll go get you a bottle of water. And he went and he, he made the line and got me water. Like those are moments, little things like that, where we serve one another, where we've cared for one another. We've seen the beauty of that in us as a church. And so I'm not calling us to, like, saying that, hey, we all have to get better. Like, you, we're, not, we're not handling this. You know, this isn't the coach on the, in the halftime, you know, and we're down 20, uh, you know, 20 points for whatever game we're playing. And he's saying, like, hey, let's, you know, we got to, like, pick this up, uh, except for soccer, because no one ever is up by 20 points in soccer. That's, that's just insane, right? I'm calling us 
I'm calling us out as brothers and sisters who have decided we will follow Jesus. And we're going to stand in this community and we're going to say, we're going to create a space where people are loved and cared for. Well, we're going to model our lives after Christ. Well, we're going to learn what it means to follow Jesus. Well, we're going to look at our, at our model and we're going to observe him and we're going to, you know, we're going to study him and we're going to take note of how he lived and allow that to come inside of our lungs, that oxygen to breathe deep inside and to, and to fill every cell of our blood so that it pumps into every part of our body so that every action that we do would be an outpouring of seeing the value in someone else, seeing how much they reflect the image of God, elevating them and serving them and loving them and caring for them. In Titus, uh, verse three, chapter three, verse eight, it says this: "This, this is a trustworthy. This is a. This saying is. Let me just read. This saying is truthworthy, and I want you to emphasize these things so that those who ha- who believe God will take care to devote themselves to de- to good deeds. These things are excellent and profitable for the people. Right, that we could be devoted, that we would devote ourselves." to caring, to building up others, to loving as Christ loved us. And so um, Larry has a paper that he's going to hand out to us. Uh, And on that there is a, a, a verse. And I want us to take some time to look at this verse and... Um, at the bottom I have some questions for us. Like how does this, what does this reveal about God? What does this ask me to do or to believe? And then there's some circles. And on those circles, there are, uh, there are some people in, in those circles. And the, the circles represent different categories of, of intimacy, right? Those uh, in the center, our partners, our home, our family life. Farther out then, our friends, our, our intimate circles. Farther out is then our coworkers, those that we spend time with. Farther out is our general community. And the question I want to ask for of us is: Jesus didn't wash everybody's feet. There wasn't a line at the door. This wasn't like the feeding of the five thousand, where then he gave you food and bread and and uh, and, uh, and fish, and then said, "All right, everybody, take off your sandals, line up, we're going to do this." Right, and he just started like washing everyone's feet. Right. This was the moment with his intimate friends. This is the moment with those he cared for most. It actually starts out by saying those who were his own. And uh, I want to ask us, how do we serve? Where are we doing well? Let's, let's evaluate, right? Because if you want to get better at something, uh, if you want to get better at something, you, you need to practice, right? And it's funny because... Uh, the other day I was changing Sebastian's diapers and I rolled it up and I tight, really tight little ball and I threw it away. And someone's like, oh, that was a real tight little, little ball. I'm like, yeah, because I've had practice. I've been doing this a ton, right? You, when you practice something, you get better at something. And, so, and, and, and often we think about like practice in, in terms of like sports or instruments, right? But there's also a space for, <laughs> but there's also a space for practice in the things that we're just, we're not good at. And I will say this. Let me, let me clarify, right? I'm a two. I'm a helper. 
Two's a helper, right? I'm a two with a seven wing. That's what I always say. John always looks at me. He's like, no, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. I'm a, I'm a helper. So helping people comes very natural to me. Like this is something that my dad just like instilled in me, right? I get it. Uh, it may not be something that comes naturally to you. And I don't think Jesus was saying, well, serve others as long as it's easy and comfortable for you. And there's a place where I think uh, part of us needs to practice. We need the repetition so that we can improve. In order to do that, sometimes we need to evaluate. And so I want to give you space to evaluate some of the circles in your life, some of the spaces in your life. Uh, Where is there a space that you need to show love? And when I say love, I mean tangibly serving those that we... uh, that are in our circle of influence. How do you demonstrate love in truth in how we care for them, serve them, like literally do things for them? And maybe you have a Judas in your circle. What does that look like for that? And I was going to clarify earlier, um, let me just hit on, touch on that. There's a power dynamic here, right? that we need to understand also. Um, And I understand that verses like this have been used uh, to abuse people and to manipulate people and to uh, keep people oppressed. I don't think that that's what Jesus was calling us to do. Jesus was a person of color. Jesus was a a person who uh, was oppressed. Jesus was a person who lived marginalized. Jesus was a person who was not in uh, political power at the time. And he's calling his disciples who were in that same boat, were not men of power, who were not men of influence, to do the same thing. And I'm I'm not telling us that we need to, uh, you know, let people take advantage of us. That's not, that's not what Jesus is saying here. But he is calling us to lay down our lives for those around us, to literally serve and care for those around us. And so how do we do that? Let me stop talking. I'm going to give you guys a few minutes. If you can re- if you spend some time meditating on the, on the verse, on this chapter. What does this tell me about God and his character? What does this ask me to believe or to do? And how do I evaluate my, those circles? Where do I need to improve? Who needs to see love? How do I show that? And then I'll come up and close this in prayer, and then we'll go to communion. When I uh, graduated from seminary, um, the day before the graduation ceremony, they uh, had us all in the auditorium, and the president of the university was there, and the president of, of the seminary was there. And they lined us all up, and one by one, we would walk to the front, and we'd kneel on this pillow that they put on the floor. And I, at first, I was like, what, I wonder what this is about, like what's going on, whatever. And as they would kneel, they'd put a towel on your shoulder and uh, the towel reminded us, and they'd pray over you, and they'd commission us, uh, and then we'd get up, and, and, and the next person would come down. And the towel was meant to be a reminder that as ministers of the gospel, our job is to 
give of what we've received to serve, to love through tangible actions, to care for people in ways that significantly help them. Uh, when you look at that list that Jesus gave us of, it's not an exhausted list uh, of, you know, feeding the hungry, of giving water to the thirsty, of clothes to the naked or shelter for those who didn't have it. But there's something about there was a need and there was a way that we were fulfilling that need. It wasn't an abstract uh, way of like helping someone. It was a very tangible, very real way. And so the call to us was help, serve, but do so in a way that satisfies the needs of the people that you're caring for, that is helpful to the community around you. And so they gave, they put that towel on our shoulders. And so my reminder today and my hope for you is to remember, it's time to get our hands dirty. Let's continue doing the work that the Lord has called us to do. Let's continue going out and serving our community.